If there, if there's a, a thing that I want to be sure of, it's eternity. There's so many people that go through life and they sit there and say, well, would you go to heaven or hell? And the question comes back or their response comes back and says, well, I really hope I would go to heaven. Because I, I hope the Buckeyes have a great season. You know, I, 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 hope, I hope the Blue Jackets do great. I, you know, all these hopes that we have. But I'll tell you, when we're talking about eternity, when we're talking about separation, when we're talking about heaven or hell, it shouldn't be a hope so, it should be a no so. But it's based on what you are basing these feelings and opinions on. Because all these people say, well, I feel or I think or I've heard or I, I, I. And if you go by then, there's no absolute truth. But the Bible gives us absolute truth. Uh, my, I, I, this has become a reality to me. I mean, I, I'm a pastor. I see a lot of people go and pass and things like this. And, and you guys, many of you guys know my story that um, my, my dad died just three months ago. And he had health problems for a long time. And we were going to uh, back and forth to see him and things that was going on. Christmas was rough. And then in February... Uh, I got the phone call from my mom and said, Dad is in kidney failure. There's nothing they can do. They can't turn it around. And I remember driving like crazy, and we got down there, and, and my dad was, this picture was taken, me praying with my dad literally hours before he died. And they gave him all this medication to keep him alive for just a minute, and as that wore off, they just could not do anything to keep his blood pressure up and his kidneys failure and all this other stuff. And they took him from here and they brought him down the hallway into this, this, this room that they have for people to die. And we walked in this room and within literally about 10, 15 minutes of being in there, my dad's breathing changed. And I, I literally, I, I mean, this is so weird to say, I watched my dad leave this world. That there's a reality check that happens in you. You know what I'm saying? I can't wake him up. I can't, I can't go back. I can't say I'm sorry or dad. I, I, I can't. There's no going back. It's done. This idea of death applies to all of us. We don't like to talk about it. We don't like to think about it. I, you know, we, we don't know when we're going to die. And it doesn't matter your age. You say, this makes me uncomfortable. Maybe we should be uncomfortable for a minute. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk you through the Bible of what it says because I have so many people that say, well, I think or I have this idea or whatever. And I, and I thought, wow, God has given us the answers. I hate death. It's horrible. It's horrible. You say, well, of course it's horrible. Think about it. It separates us from the people that we love forever. Death. And God said it doesn't have to be that way. Steals us from the one that we love. Death is a, a, a thief. It takes from us. But I'm, I'm going to lay this out at you and just make this very applicable to everybody in here. I'm just going to lay this out and just ask you this question as I begin. And I'll bring you back to this. Are you ready to die? Are you ready to die? Because you will. We watch this video and everybody's guessing and wondering and thoughts and all these things. And we, you know, we, and I, we, so much confusion with this. And I know that God is not the author of confusion. We know who the author of confusion is. God has not left us in the dark. I'm going to give you guys scriptures because I'm not going to base this on myself. This is going to be a doctrinal study about the afterlife. And I, I want to, the, the Bible says in 1 John 5, 12, he says, he have, uh, that he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. 
I'm going to explain that in the application of these things, things that I've written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Listen to this. That ye may, what's the next word? Let's do it again. That ye may what? That ye have eternal life. That ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. I'm going to lay this out here right now. For every person in here, God has made you a guarantee that you can know that you have eternal life. So if somebody comes up to you and says, would you go to heaven or hell? You can emphatically say, yes, I know where I'm going. I know and I have that assurance because I believe in the name of the Son of God. Another verse along the same lines in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, he says this. We are, what's the next word? Confident. I say and willing rather to be absent from the body. To be present with the Lord. I'm confident of this. To have confidence means I have a surety in my mind and my heart. This is the hope. That's why we're calling it hope for tomorrow. I have hope for tomorrow. This is assurance to know for sure. I'm going to walk you through literally one, two, three, four, through the afterlife. For some of you, you're going to know this like the back of your hand, but for some of you, this might be the first time you've ever heard this. But I'm going to explain to you that what I'm about to say right now is going to be part of the rest of your life. Literally meaning that God has brought you here today in his divine appointment so that you can know that you know that you know. I will start with this. Number one, you will die. I don't know any other way to start this off without putting this as the Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. Now, we hate this subject. Just try this. Just be out with friends, you know, go, go bowling, go out to dinner, you know, go to your favorite restaurant, sit around. Everybody's laughing, telling jokes. How was your day? And then just say, have any of you thought how you're going to die and see how that dinner conversation goes? You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, if you could choose any way to die, what would it be? Nobody's sitting there going, I'd like to die from a shark attack. You know, I'd like to, you know, I mean, nobody ever sits there and discusses how they want to die. Actually, it's more like this. Go ahead and bring that subject up with somebody and say, hey, have you thought about how you're going to die? Please don't talk about that. Seriously, don't be a, don't be a downer. I don't want to hear about that. I don't want to talk about that. We don't want to hear it. The Bible says life is short. The Bible describes that life is but a vapor. It appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Time goes by so fast. This is one fact that we all agree on. Number one, you will die. Number two, your soul will be separated from your body. Now, I know a lot of people have different opinions and feelings about this and explaining. The Bible says in that same verse that we are always confident knowing that is what's at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Now the Bible explains something that if I'm home in the body, I'm absent from God. So the way that I get to heaven or get to the afterlife is I've got to leave this body. The Bible is very clear about explaining this. He says in that same chapter, we are confident saying willing to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. You are made up of more than just flesh and bones. And I, I've had so many people say, I don't know if I believe in that. I, I just don't get that. You were given a soul by God. Now, I use this verse all the time because I explain this so much to us as church people. But listen, in Genesis chapter 2, when God was creating man, he explained eternity at that moment. 
God was infinite. God is uh, eternal. And he said this, and the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. You came from dust. Men came from dust. Men are dirt bags. You ladies just agree with that right now. Men came from the dirt and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became not a living body, but a living soul. The body was breathed into him a living soul. People come back and said, I don't know if I fully understand that. What are you talking about? See, we have this part of us that is so more, much more complex than everything else. You have a conscience. Go to the doctor and say, hey, can you take out my conscience? And he's going to be like, dude, I can take out your appendix, but I can't take out your conscience. You can fall in love with people, and there's love inside of us. The character of who you are, your thinking, the way that you dream, the way that you have passion, the way that you have all these things in your life is not just bone and flesh. I want you to ask yourself, where does all that come from? Where does your subconscious come from? Where does that aspect of your life come from? How are you who you are? The character of you. You see, we are a body, soul, and spirit. God breathed into our life the the breath of life, and man became a living soul. You are so much more. You know why I think this is so important? Because we have devalued life so much. We talk about the abortion thing. It's not just abortion. We we could roll this right into the whole debate of suicide. Let's get real for a minute. The suicide thing of, I don't matter. God doesn't make junk. Every life in this room has value and significance because you were made by God. You have purpose. God has a plan for your life. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 12, 7, Then shall dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. The Bible is very clear what happens. There is a separation. Number one, you're going to die. Number two, there is a separation from you Your body, this earthly vessel, and your spirit or your soul. Number three, this is where it gets serious. You will stand before God. The Bible says, so then, every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. I want to to be real because this, this lately is bothering me so bad. You are accountable for you. I talk to people so much and they sit there and say, well, I'll be honest, I got out of church. There was this pastor or me or somebody else and he, he just made me mad. And when I was a kid, my mom, my dad, they used to push me to, you know, to go to church. They shove religion down my throat or I got away from God or I said no to God or all these other things. Here's the thing, you better understand you are accountable for you and you have no excuse other than yourself. God made that very clear. Every one of us shall give an account of himself. You're not going to stand before God and say, hey, let me explain something. My dad, he was a, and God's going to say, no, I'm talking to you right now. That is it. By the way, you won't debate God, but anyways, for the sake of (laughs) sitting there saying, man, we're going to have a conversation up there. It won't be that way at all. You will give an account of yourself, and for it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God. The thing is, you can shake your fist at God today. You have every right. You have the freedom to do that. You, you, are, you are a living creature that can do that. But I am telling you, today you have the free will to shake your fist at God. But on that day, you will bow before him as your author and creator. 
there is no other way of doing this. For it is written, as I, as I live, say the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God he is king. Then there's a great separation. The Bible says, and I am visualizing this with it, that there's, the books were open. And another book was open, which was the book of life. These open books. And I tried to study this out. I only have one book here. And it's, God is such a visual God to help us understand. He literally saying at the end of time, he says, I will be your judge, but I am a just God. He explained as we stand before God, I, I, do, do I have two people that will come up here and volunteer? I'm not, I'm not going to bear this. I need, I need two people that come volunteer. I've got one. Do I have one more? Bob and Norm, you guys come stand right here. Let, let, let me illustrate this. There are books, multiple books, and you guys can stand right here. Multiple books. Now, one is the Lamb's Book of Life. We'll get to that here in a minute. But the Bible says then the books were open, and another book was open, which was the Book of Life. It explains these multiple books. The Bible says, and they were judged according to their deeds that were written in the book. So it's like a history. These books are written there of your history. We do that in America. America history. We flip back there and see all the things that were done. We're standing talking about these books. We're going to gather. I'm telling you, all of us are there. We're going to stand before God. You guys can imagine standing before God. And God opens the books. We're judged out of those things. And he comes to this book. This book is the Lamb's Book of Life. The reason why I'm saying this is because this is where the separation happens. This is why I want to explain the books are there because every man was judged according to the book. It's an account of your book. It's an account of your life. We are looking forward to time, but what I'm speaking of right now is God is literally going to give the account of your life of where you're at right now, what you're hearing right now. For you to sit there and say, nobody ever told me, or I didn't know that, I don't know who you are, and God's going to flip, flip, flip. You're at church May 5th, 2019, 11 a.m. Did you hear this bald guy get up and tell you the gospel? Everyone will give an account of himself to God. Another book was opened. So Lamb's Book of Life. What a name. Life from the Lamb. Old Testament, they would sacrifice animals, and then Jesus came to be the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. You guys know what that description is? It's a love story of what God did for you. I'm going to explain that now because the idea is, I, just like in the video, I don't think our judge, I don't think God should judge me. I don't think that's fair. I don't think, I'm explaining to this, the Lamb of God that came to take away the sins of the world. Every one of us right now, it's a free gift. God gives it. God offers it. God's extended it. That's why we did this. You know why I'm not making Easter one week? Because there's so much more. There's so much more. Sometimes they all praise God. He rose out of the, from the grave. But what about now? Right now, right now, right now. In your life, have you given your life to Jesus Christ to have your sin because there is hope for today and then one day there will be hope for tomorrow and we stand before God and the books are open and we stand there and I'm talking about the separation that will happen on that day. I'll tell you these two guys, there's, there's, there's two choices. See, for all have sinning come short of the glory of God. I, I like these guys. They're great guys, but you're both sinners. They would point right back at me and say, Pastor Tony, welcome to the club. You're a sinner too. We're all sinning. Come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. 
I'm saying this to you because I don't want anybody standing there saying, that pastor looked down his pointy thumb and finger looking at us and calling us out. I said, no, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. All of us here are in the same boat when it comes to this. But there is a choice because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You have a choice to make every single day. And, and that's the reason why God has given us times at Easter and somebody invited you and brought you to church and sat you down and said, this is Jesus and this is what he did and this is how he can save you. As he said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. There's two choices. It's not forced. You must believe, you must receive. This is responding to the spirit of God when he whispers in the ear, when he tugs on your heart, when he opens your eyes. But you must believe it and receive it. I was saved at the age of 16 years old. I grew up in church, sat in hundreds of services like this, but it was different on that day. How many of you guys remember the day you got saved, how different it was from church to that moment? You guys testify right now, testify. Don't be ashamed. It's different. I'm telling you, it was like I was sitting in that seat, and, and God literally went over and said, did you get it this time? This was the Holy Spirit, okay? This is what God does. Literally says, did you get it this time? I had this conversation with God. I, I grew up in church, Lord. I've read through the Bible. I did. I, the, the year before, I, I did a plan. I read through the whole Bible. At 15 years old, I read through the whole Bible. I had my room full of awards from Awana and Vacation Bible School and all these other things. And God says, none of that's getting you into heaven. It's a choice to make. Because, Bob, it's whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, shall have their name put to the Lamb's Book of Life. It's not what we do. And I, I think there's so much confusion with this. Like I read a minute ago, he that had the Son hath life. He that had not the Son, the Lamb's Book of Life. You have it or you don't. There's two choices. There's two groups. There's the saved and the lost. I, the reason why I'm putting it like this, I'll put it another way. There's the forgiven and there's the guilty. Because of the fact is there's not the good and the bad. Norm, do you know why we're not describing this as the good and the bad? Because we're all bad. <laughs> it was a divider of good and bad. We're all doomed, okay? It's not by works of righteousness which we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us. So come to that point. And there's just two choices. Guys, oh, look, turn around, look at this. They're saved and there's lost. There's, there, there's, there's forgiven and then there's guilty. That's, that's the only, that's the, that's the dividing thing. And a lot of people sit there and make it about so many other things, but there's not anything else. It's a matter of you came to the point where you asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. The divide that I'm talking about comes right here. But then there's also two judgments. So when he opens the book of life and he says, whether your name is there, and I hate to do this, Norm, let's just put you over here, as your name is not written in the book of life, I'm going to bring you to this side. And there's a divide, Bob. It doesn't matter what side your kids are. It doesn't matter what side your pastor is. It doesn't matter. You know what the dividing point is right here? Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Did you come to the place where you called out to Jesus to forgive you of your sins? If not, you're guilty. And there's a second judgment on this side for you. There's two. There's two choices. There's two judgments. It confuses a lot of people. For the lost, there's the great white throne judgment. For the lost, the Bible describes it. And I saw the white throne, him that sat on it, whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And there was no found, no place for him. 
So many people, you know, Satan would love to make this fictional, that it's not real, it doesn't matter. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Well, it doesn't matter. You, you, you think about what God is saying about this. And it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, or pastors, preachers, evangelists, whatever, small and great, every race, every nation, good and bad. And the books were open. Another book was open, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works, according to your sin. You are, you are set free because of the fact that you've been forgiven or you're guilty because you have not been set free. Then there's the judgment seat of Christ for the saved. I almost want to park for this for a minute because I want you to understand this. Of understanding the difference between the two judgments of going on. The two judgments, the judgment seat of Christ for the saved. The reason why is because so many people come up to us and say this. You've probably heard this. You guys have heard this too. We're going to strike something out. You're going to stand in judgment for that one day. You are forgiven if you are a Christian. Did you hear that? You are forgiven. Sit there and say, I don't know if I can wrap my mind around that, of understanding that. For he that hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we should be made the righteousness of God in him. Here I am, the judge. Satan brings you in before me. I look down at you, and Satan wants to do this. Let me tell you about his past when he was 16 years old. Let me tell you about how he stole this and robbed this and did this and all this other stuff. And God looks down and says, all I see is the blood of Jesus Christ. You know why he says being clothed in the righteousness of God, literally just wrapped up in the righteousness of God. God literally says, when I see you, I do not see the wrath of God. We stand clean. We stand forgiven, clothed in the righteousness of God, not because of what you've done. And everybody says, well, I've been a good person. I've done this. God looks out at you and says this, Bob. Not by works of righteousness which you have done. It's according to my mercy that saved you. It's not anything that you've done. You realize that if you could save yourself, Jesus would have never had to die on the cross? If you could go on, do good works, or show up in church, and by the way, when you get to this point, it's not church attendance. It doesn't matter how many stars you have on the chart, it doesn't matter. It's not about your church attendance, it's not about your giving record. It's not about your charitable donation. The only thing that matters is the fact that you accepted him when you had the choice in this life before there was a separation. So what is it about? It's not about being condemned or punished when you stand before God as a Christian. You say, how? Romans 8, 1. There is now therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You say, why or how? Because you've been made clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. You sit there and say, well, you have sin." Can I tell you where your sin is? Bob, can I tell you where your sin is? If you want to try to find it, you sit there and Satan's going to throw it up to your face when you stand before God. The Bible says it's as far as the east is from the west. You say, how far is that? How is far? The Bible says, Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. It's not even found. See, the judgment for a Christian is about accountability with what God has given us. So Jesus tells this story. It was in Matthew 25. And he says a, a, there, was a, there was a man that went to a far country. And he took these servants. And he gave one ten talents and one five talents and one one talent. And he said, this is my money. I want you to go invest and do with it. Now that was a parable of heaven. I don't know how many of you guys realize that. The one that had ten went and made twenty. The one that had five. The one that had one. He took it and buried it and did nothing with it. 
How many times has God blessed us with talents and abilities? And I'm going to get right in your face as Christians right now. If you are saved and you know it and you sit there and God has blessed you with talents and abilities in life, what are you doing with it? Because this life was not given to us to coast or exist, but to serve and to love and to point people to Jesus. It's about accountability with what God has done. And the servant, the, the, the man came home and he went up to each one of the servants and he took to him and he said, those that have multiplied and did what they did, they said, well done, thou good and faithful servants. That's where the crowns come into. It's a reward ceremony. And it's acknowledging what God has done in our life. It's a time of a rewards and celebration. And the Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou have been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over men. And now enter now into the joy of the Lord. That's what God said. Can you imagine if it was about condemnation? Let's go to heaven. No, you know, like... <laughs> Please, oh, not the heaven word. You know, don't, don't bring that up right there. God has set us free. But I bring you guys to this point. There is two choices. There is two judgments. And there is two definite destinations. When he said, my, in my father's house are many mansions, he, said, he talked about, I go to prepare a place for you. And he said, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. That was home. That was heaven. All those verses we just talked about, there shall be no more grief, no more separation, no more death, no more pain, no more all those things. Do you know why? Because the curse of sin has been removed. You say, how was that possible? Oh, when Jesus took it from you and he died for it, he paid for it. Now, Norm, there's a second destination, which is hell. And that's when people say, no, I don't want to hear about that. Get out of my face. I hate that word. How do you know? And the world doesn't hate the word. They'll downplay it, use it as a curse word all day long. But when we start talking about a destination of eternity, that's when we get uncomfortable. You see, for the very fact that sin was destined for hell. We were born in sin. Jesus came to say, give me your sin. I'll give you a gift. I'll die on the cross. I died on the cross to set you free from that. And you sit there and you say, no, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. And so many people don't understand that concept of regret, uh, rejecting so great a salvation. People say, wait, that's not fair. The number one thing that people say is, how would a loving God do that? The loving God died on a cross so you would not have to go to hell. I, I want you to hear that right now. The loving God already came as a humble servant, took on our sin, died on a cross, conquered the grave for you to be set free. He's already done that. See, hell was never prepared for us in the first place. Matthew 25, 41 explains, Then shall he say unto them on the left, and depart from me, ye curse, into everlasting fire. Listen to the rest of this. Prepared for the devil and his angels. It was never prepared for us. We were made for God, for fellowship with God. That's why God said, I'll come back and I'll bring you unto myself. It's sin that separated us. It is sin that separates you from God. It's sin that separates you from heaven. The only freedom that we sang about, I'm free, free, thank God I'm free, and the song that we just sang was because of what Jesus did. We see the end of man, but we also see the end of Satan. In the same passage in Revelation 20 at the end of, at the end of time in chapter, or verse 10, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the fire, lake of fire and brimstone. You know why I think God pointed that out? Have you ever thought, Norm, why the Bible describes at the very end it describes him as that old serpent. In Revelation, it describes him as that old serpent. But it also describes his character that it says that deceived them was cast. From the very beginning, do you know what he did to Adam and Eve? Did God really say that? 
And now today, is there really a God? Is there really a heaven? Is there really a hell? Is there really sin? Is that at all? Is the Bible really true? Churches are full of phonies and all this other stuff. He is a deceiver. I, I think that's important for us to understand because Jesus knew that so many would be deceived going through life saying, man, I've been a good person. I'm a good person. You talk to most people and they tell never anything about the Lamb's Book of Life. It's not about being washed in the blood of Jesus Christ or forgiven. The thing they say, I hope I go to heaven, I have been a pretty good person. This is nothing about being a good person. There is a book and not scales. There's a reason that there's a book and not scales because you're not weighing out your good and your bad. It's either your name's in there or it's not. When the Bible describes them as that, in the Bible, in Matthew chapter 7, he described those that would stand before God. And he says, many in that day will say unto me, Lord, Lord, have we not cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works and all these things? And, I, and, and he's explaining believers. Guys, let me say to you, we, we say many, Lord, Lord, have I not and prophesied the name and cast out devils and all. That was talking about the Judases or those that go through the motions or those that go to church, those that sit in pews every single week. Remember the deceiver. You have your own thing or my own opinions or whatever, but Jesus responds and he says this to him right after in verse 23. He says, then will I say unto them, he says unto them, many will say to that day, and I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me that worked iniquity. It's not a matter of losing what you had. Jesus doesn't have memory loss. He says, I never knew you. Literally meaning this, in this life right here, you never bowed your knee, bowed your heart to accept Jesus Christ as the payment of your sin. It's not about a loving God. And people ask the questions, I don't know if a loving God would send people to hell. I, the bigger question is, why would you reject a loving God that died to save you from hell? That's the real question. You see, but the deceiver will take it from the wrong angle. The Bible says many will say on that day because there's so many people that go through the motions just like I was 16 years old relying on all the good things that I've done but never making it right in my heart. But I come to this close and that is the hope. You see, at the end of life, there is hope. You see, God has given us this day, this moment, Easter, and a reason to bring people to church because he said this, and I want you guys to hear the heart of God before you go out of here and say, I don't know about the God. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Bob, do you understand that that was the heart of God? God said, hey, I died to save you. That was my goal who died for us. That whether we are awake or asleep, we should live together with him. This is the desire of God. He made it possible for us to come home with him. So we can be with him. I'll tell you this. This loving God, the Bible says that he came to seek and to save that which is lost. I bring you to this point right here. This life right now, you have not yet died. Step one, two, three, four has not happened. You're at the point right now that God has come to seek and to save that which is lost. He's come to tell you the truth. And I'll tell you, it's not about me as a pastor. I'll tell you what, it's about me as just a, somebody that's encountered Jesus myself. Man, when you meet him, you come away just like the woman at the well. Say, come, 
here a man that told me everything I've ever done. I say this because of the fact is that every one of you was going to die. Every one of us is going to come to this point. And I can tell you, you can be standing there with your wife and your kids or whatever, and there's a divide. You guys hear it? There's a divide. It's not, I like you and I don't like you or whatever. The Bible says God is no respecter of persons. The divide is if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And that happens right now. Right now. Right now. Where God pricks your heart, God opens your eyes, and God explains to you what the reality of life is. It's not emotional. It's not a feel-good. It's not, tell me what to say. It's when it clicks in your mind and you say, I need Jesus. I want Jesus. And you admit your sin before God. You ask him to come into your life. You ask him to save you. 